I was talking with my father probably about the time we started having kids, and uh, he was describing my first spanking, or swat. Um, I was nine months old. And uh, apparently he was feeding me eggs one morning, and I didn't want them, and I spit them all over him. And he said, before I knew what happened, I picked you up and swatted you, and then I felt so bad, and I did But it, it kind of describes that tension that we feel uh, in teaching obedience and also acknowledging that each of us has a strong desire to have things our own way. It's just the way we're wired. And yet, it's a crucial lesson, and it's very important that we get this obedience thing right in regard to the Lord. And so part of what you're doing when you're training kids is you're, you're developing an awareness that somebody else at times calls the shots. And uh, in that, you're also setting them up to understand that God has the right to speak what he wants into your life and ask of you certain things. Um, so I was... Um, you know, I looked at that story, and then I was thinking about Adam and Eve. And there was no past family history that would have caused them to be bent, right? And there was no setting difficulties that would cause them to make bad choices. And they had it appears to be daily walks with the Lord in the evening. So, you know, they had the best environment that you could possibly ask for, and yet they still chose wrong. And even in that, it was a life and death issue that they'd been warned about. Now, when they were created, they were told, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth. And these are kind of, proactive things, go out and get this done. And then there's one prohibition. One, don't eat from the tree in the middle of the garden. It's only one rule. And yet, in the perfect setting, with an environment that can't be asked for any different, they still made a wrong choice. And so that in some ways describes how deeply this thing is in us and, and you know, the, the need to kind of put things together. I'd like to read Psalm 119, verses 1 through 3. How blessed are those whose actions are blameless, who obey the law of the Lord. And in poetic form, it kind of restates this in using other words, but how blessed are those who observe his rules and seek him with all their heart who moreover do no wrong, but follow in his footsteps. And I'd like to use an illustration off of that for a bit. The idea of following directions, following footsteps. Um, let's say that you're going to take a trip, right? Uh, for lack of... You're going to go out to the East Coast to a wedding. Sharon and I would love to have one out there someday. We have a single daughter out there. Uh, West, Coast. West Coast. 
How did I mess that up? But I did. Okay. Just supposing, you know. If you say, I am not driving into the sun, it could be difficult, right? And even though you may have written directions and you may have Google, if you're unwilling to follow those, it's not going to get you there. You have to make the decision, I'm going to follow the directions if I want to get to this wedding on time and in the right place. What if, what if you just decided, you know, that Saturday is not good for me. I'll just go a different Saturday. It, it, it wouldn't work, would it? it? It'd be like Noah going, yeah, I know, but that 100 years building an ark? I mean, do you realize how much time that's going to take? How complicated that's going to be? Do you realize that uh, I, I think I'm bit, just better off loving people than to love my neighbor? But this specific thing of building an ark, boy, it's too much. And yet, when the animals show up and it's closed and he's in and it's raining, he's going, really glad I followed through with this. You know, it, it's one of those things that when we take a trip and there's a specific destination and there's this opportunity, we have to follow the directions or we don't get there. You know, and there can be subtle adjustments on the way. You know, it, it, it's as if somebody's in a car and they're going, be careful, you're going to drive off the road. You know, okay, yeah, I guess I was falling asleep. Or, you know, you're, you're going along and, and there's a detour. And you go, you're still going to the wedding, but you're not going to get to take quite the path that you thought. You know, David running, he, he's anointed to be the next king, and then he spends the next, what, 14 years running? Uh, for his life, and, you know, it's, it's like he did not see that coming and plan for it. Um, you know, hopefully you have joy and peace along the journey, but there's also times when, when fear and trouble are a part of the journey. It's spoken of Jesus in, in uh, Hebrews. It says, he learned obedience by the things he suffered. And so it's tied into the life that struggles a part of this. Let's, uh, let's walk through a few Old Testament scriptures and a few new. In Genesis 49, Jacob is, talking, is praying over his sons and he's prophesying over them. He comes to Judah and he makes this statement, the scepter, you know, that's what a king used as a sign of his authority, will not depart from Judah, nor will the ruler's staff from between his feet until he comes on whom he belongs. The nations will obey him. Now, it's a prophecy, an old prophecy, regarding Jesus, who has yet to fulfill that completely. But it's a declaration, not only will there be an obedience to Jesus individually, but 
nations will bow before him. It's an end time picture coming from early, early on. Here's out of Exodus when the people were leaving Egypt and then they had been slaves. Now they were becoming a community and they were forming their own nation and God speaking words of life to them. They'd gotten to a place where there was no water and, and, uh, the, or the water they found was very bitter and a, and a miracle took place and they drank and they were alive for another few days. And, you know, God makes this statement to them. He says, if you diligently obey and pay attention to his commandments and keep all his statutes, then all the diseases that I brought on the Egyptians I will not bring on you, for I, the Lord, am your healer. And it's this incredible declaration that I'm going to take care of your health. You know, they, they, they were afraid that they were going to die of thirst, but he's making a declaration, I'm going to provide for you. A little later on, God tells him, I am sending an angel along with you. He says, if you diligently obey him and do all that I command, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and I'll be an adversary to your adversaries. So he's making this powerful statement saying, I'm going to protect you. Not only am I going to heal you, I'm going to protect you. He goes on and a little further in the book, there's a, a, a statement made. He says, I am vomiting out the nations of the land that you're going to take because of their behaviors. And if you want to enjoy long prosperity in that land, then you need, not, you need to stay away from those behaviors that got the others tossed out. It's like having renters and saying, no, you can't do this, get out. And the next one comes in and it's like, okay, this is what happened to the last group. Are you going to do that or are you going to live different? And the Lord is saying, in regard to the land, he says, I will not put up with that. And he tosses them out. In Leviticus 20, he speaks to them and he says, you must be sure to obey my statutes. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. And that's just a term for, he's the one who makes us clean. He's the one who, who changes our being, changes the nine-month-old that's willing to spit eggs on his dad, changes the, the nature of who we are. He says, I'm, I'm the one that changes you. In Deuteronomy It says, what does God require of you except to revere him, to obey all his commands, to love him, to serve him with all your mind and being, and to keep the Lord's commandments and statutes? So he says, this is what I'm asking of you as a people. In Samuel, there's a story of Saul who had, he'd been off to war. They'd had a tremendous victory. And he was told to destroy everything, and he's bringing back the best of the cattle and everything, and Samuel goes and confronts him and says, what are you doing? And Saul says, oh, I brought this back for sacrifices. You know, won't it be special to sacrifice this unto God? And Samuel says, burnt offerings and sacrifices, uh, does the Lord take pleasure in that, or does he much more take pleasure in obedience. 
And he's making a declaration that religious action is nothing compared to a life that's dedicated to obeying what God asks. And, you know, it's like we get together and, boy, on Sundays we can act religious, right? I mean, that's when we're here, we're on best behavior. And in some ways there's a a tendency to look at that and say, see how much I love you, God? I was in church today and I acted good the whole time. You know, and and yet, this is something that that in the Lord He's going. I'm not so impressed with just the Sunday behavior. I want an obedience of lifestyle. I want an obedience of your life. Let's go to the Psalms. Don't be like an unintelligent horse or mule, which will not obey you unless they are controlled by a bit or a bridle. Says. <laughs> Don't be in such a position that you have to be forced to do things. It's not healthy. Later in Psalms, when there's a psalm written by David as he's repenting for his sinful behavior, he says, sustain me by giving me the desire to obey. That's a good prayer, right? That's one of those prayers that, you know, you put a mark by it and say, God, I am not really wanting to do this. So please place in me a willingness to do this. Change the very core of my being. You know who I am. You know what I'm like, but you reached out to me, so I'm asking you, please change this heart of mine. Psalm 95. Let's bow down and worship. Let's kneel before the Lord, our creator, for he's our God. We are his people of his pasture, the sheep he owns. Today, if you would only obey him. In other words, he's saying God has the right of possession to tell you what to do. He, as creator, he made you. He has the right then to declare, this is what I want you to do. Let's go to the New Testament. John 14, Jesus makes this declaration. If you love me, you will obey my commandments. A lot of wiggle room there, isn't there? It's just, it's, it's just straight out. This is Jesus talking. We'd like to say, oh, that's probably Paul, you know, doing extending things. No, Jesus is making this declaration. He says, if you love me, obey my statutes, my law. The next chapter, if you obey my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commandments and remain in his love. So Jesus is saying, I'm not asking you to do anything different than what I've done. I have walked in love and obedience to the Father. I'm asking you to do the same now. Acts, Peter is told by the religious leaders, we don't want you teaching the things you're teaching about this Jesus and you know, that he rose from the dead and that, you know, we're guilty of his blood. They didn't like that. And, and so he makes, Peter says, we must obey God rather than people. And there's a decision to make. Who are you going to follow? In 2 Corinthians, he says, we live as human beings. We do not wage war 
according to human standards. And he, he said, it's not this outward thing that you think it is. And he goes on to describe some of what goes on inside of us. He says, our weapons aren't the same. We're powerful for God by the t for tearing down strongholds and arguments and arrogant obstacles that are raised up against the knowledge of God. We take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. So he's saying there's a war going on inside of us. And we make these choices that we take thoughts that are profane and inappropriate and we go, I am going to stamp obedience into my life and I'm going to change the direction I'm going. So it's not, it's not enough just to say, this is a struggle and this is who I am. This is what I like to do. But it's saying, this is the war that I'm in. And so it's my, my challenge to, to take these things captive and make them obedient to Christ. Here's one for you kids. Got your ears on? Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Parents, don't you love that verse? Here's the rest of it. It says, this is the first commandment accompanied by a promise. So when God was giving this originally uh, on the Mount Sinai and uh, the Ten Commandments, he gives this command, but he's saying there's a promise with it. It says that it will go well with you and that you will live a long time on the earth. First promise offered is to the kids. It's very important then, even as kids, to get this right. That we don't get to say, well, when I grow up, it'll be a big deal. But rather, it's important now. Later in that same chapter, he's talking about people obeying others that they're working for and submitting to, to their standards, so to speak, and he says, if he does something good, this will be rewarded by the Lord. And so the idea is that even in our work for others, and even in submitting to them and their rules, because we are working for them, he says, God sees that and rewards that kind of behavior. Pretty incredible. First Peter, like obedient children, do not comply with the evil urges that you used to follow in your ignorance. So he links that with childhood. Evil urges and ignorance. What a recipe for disaster. And that's what we're trying to move away from, right? And trying to grow out of and grow into adulthood. But like the Holy One who called you, become holy yourselves in all your conduct. For it is written, you shall be holy because I am holy. So the call to our lives is to allow holiness to become a part of them and to allow the transformation of the inside, so to speak, knowing that we're wired with, with evil urges and ignorance, but we're asking the Lord to take us on another path. There's a warning that comes in the book of Revelation. There are letters written to different churches 
And it says, I know your deeds. You have a reputation that you're alive, but really you're dead. <laughs> That's not a good thing, is it? You got this reputation. It's a good reputation. It's the, the kind of reputation that everybody wants. You got life. You're, you're doing things well. He says, but that's not what's going on inside. And he says, you've got to strengthen what remains or you're about to die. Therefore, remember what you received and heard and obey it and repent. So he, he calls them back to an obedience even though they've been in the Lord for a while and even though they have a great reputation. He's saying, obedience in the Lord is crucial. So back to the, the original verses. How blessed are those whose actions are blameless, who obey the law of the Lord. How blessed are those who observe his rules and seek him with all their heart, who will moreover do no wrong but follow in his footsteps. I encourage you, think of a destination. You know, we, we're told of a, a banquet that's like a wedding banquet, that one day... In the eternal, there will be this massive feast. And, and the picture is a celebration of everything being brought together. How, do you, how are you going to get there? You're going to follow the directions. Turn when it says to turn. Go where it says to go. Show up at the day when it says to show up. And as you walk into that obedience, there's a confidence that says, I'll get there, and I'll be part of the celebration. What a joy that is. We thank you for your scripture that speaks life. And we acknowledge that for each of us, there are different obedience issues. And sometimes it's a subtle, I think I should do this. Sometimes it's an overt, no, this needs to be different. But Lord, we ask that you will train us in obedience. Give us a willing heart to walk in that path. Help us to embrace the, the whole idea of holiness and chasing that in you. Cause us to love and obey you in a way that honors you and represents the way that you loved and honored the Father. Amen. I pray for God's blessing upon you. Acknowledge his goodness in life. Ask that he have a great week. Renting into our summer season, just encourage you to uh, keep God a part of it. Bring him into every setting that you're at. May your blessing rest on these your people. They know the fullness of favor that you intend for their lives. And discover with joy what it is to walk in love and obedience to you. I ask that as each one goes into the community that you give them words of life to speak over others. Enable them to carry out the workings of your kingdom. Gift them with the supernatural. Be lifted up and exalted, our Lord, we pray. We love you this day. Amen.